Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, we started this last week called Life Lessons. Somebody asked me if I was doing my swan song. Maybe. Hey, you know, I don't know what that looks like or it means. I still got a lot of time left in me, God willing. Um, but it is, a, this is a season in my life in which I want to start sharing some of the wrapped within the gospel of grace, some of the, if you will, the things that I've been able to glean and learn from the Lord. And I know that many of you know more than what I know. And I know that you have gleanings that I have no knowledge of. I fully confess that to you this morning, but I do want to open up my heart and share some of the things. One, I think there's a, a beginning right now. Um, with, oh, go back one slide. Uh, beginning right now to uh, New Day youth are starting to gather again, and so you have a coming meeting again this, this next week on the 19th over at uh, Caleb and Reagan's house. And to gather together. And so this, some of that was triggered by our youth gathering together. And, uh, and I suppose wrapped within the purpose of my life. Um, I've, I've always loved young people. It's just been, it's been a God-given gift. And uh, children never annoyed me or disappointed me. Um, I liked children when I was a child. I, I, I did. I started babysitting my family members when I was 12. And uh, I've just, my heart's always been there. So I, I'm just going to attribute that, that that was a God-given gift. And that not everybody gets it. And I know that children can be annoying. I raised three of them. And, uh, but beyond that, um, God has planted in me um, something that begins when we're teenagers and, and everybody struggles with this. And so one of the most difficult types of counseling I've done through the years is with grumpy 45-year-olds. <laughs> Who, through the circumstances of life and faith, have become disappointed, discouraged, disillusioned, disheartened, and things just didn't turn the way they wanted them to. They haven't done anything wrong and they're not bad people because they're feeling that. They're feeling that because they, they, this grasp of understanding. And what I've become kind of coming to know is that this starts, and that's why I started with the story of Brookie, this starts from the time we're born. This uh, deep, deep cry, a search for our identity and our purpose. Why am I here? Uh, what is the will of God? So last week we looked at the, looking at the biblical basis for this search, and I want to reread this because this is the thing right now. He's, he's the beginning and the end, but right now in American culture, in American society, in world culture right now, this issue of identity is probably one of the Hmm. It is so in front of us. Um, and, and I actually, and I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not, 
you know, it's not weirding me out or anything, but anybody that wants to be known as binary, I just want to go, binary? Can't you pick a better word than that? Confused, uh, misunderstood, all kinds of things, but binary? I'm a number? Think, think through that, people. As people of God, think through that. Do you think you're just a number to God? Hey, you, 433. Or better yet, 7 of 12. You belong to that little group. 12 groups of 12. It's, it's so disheartening. And where do we find answers? So I hope this helps in you gaining. And please, you were old enough to understand this if you're in here and you're five. And you're old enough to understand this if you're in here and you're 50. And it's really, really, really important. Because the idea of identity, if it is not found in the Bible, in the Word of God, which is filled with moral absolutes and filled with absolute truth. And the declaration when Jesus came and he said, I am the way, the life, and the truth, veritas, real to living truth, true truth, is what it should say in the Greek. It's 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 valid, and it's the real thing. Coke was never the real thing. So we start where we start at the book of beginnings in Genesis one. Now you have to remember this isn't written until Moses' time. Moses penned this. Looking back, how did he know this? This was passed down person to person, family leader to family leader, children sitting around a campfire hearing the story of God's creation. Where did we come from, Dad? Well, let me tell you, son. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Not a number, not an idea, not a choice. God created them, male and female. He could have said it female and male. Why did Adam come first? I don't know. That's how he did it. He's God. I don't get to question that. If you believe that you have the right to question that, go read the book of Job several times. <laughs> Job's counselors told him, go make your petition known to God. Job told him he wanted to, and God said, okay, come here. He gets outside of the city gates of God's presence, if you will, and he put his hand over his mouth. He got one glimpse of what seeing God would do, and he shut his mouth. God chose it this way. But the next verse is the key thing. He created them male and female. So this is a true truth. He created them male and female. Who are you? Male and or female. You are in that within the creation of God. It's set in your DNA. It's so interesting if you study science, because all of science follows God. God does not follow science. Science follows God. So you have a little thing, I think, D, it's called T-cells. 
T-cells are in the shape of a cross. They help determine just about everything in your life. It's stunning. DNA determines whether you are male or female. That is what determines it. Now, where does DNA start from? Well, have you ever watched those nature films that try to explain life, which they can't do? They try to use science to explain how life happens, but then they have to use a particular word in all of these documentaries. When the sperm cell meets the egg cell, they tell you a miracle happens. What is the miracle? God creates life. They can't tell you why it happens. It happens. They can describe what happens, but they cannot tell you why it happens. And so they call it the miracle of nature. I call it God. God decides. God decided, you know, 36 and 9 months, years ago and 9 months, that Brookie would be. Stunning. Why is that so important? Because it has to do with how we identify ourselves. I identify as being made in the image of God. I don't identify as being God. You would all be crispy crittered. Because <laughs> I get angry. I am not God. But I am created in the image of God, and so are you. Look at the next verse. Then God did what? Blessed them. Male and female. We are blessed in our identity. It it didn't have anything to do. What did they do to get the blessing? God went, boom, you're going to be. And then he blessed this woman. She just recently had a birthday too. And he blessed her to be on the earth and be with us. This is, this is true truth. This isn't a made up fairy tale. This was passed down generation after generation. If that truth was known in the beginning, how important is it for us to know it now? Deeply, deeply important. I am created in the image of God and I am blessed. And I am to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every other living thing that moves on the earth. We, if you read Psalm 36, what is man that you are mindful of him? Made just a little lower than angels. Different than angels. I don't want to be an angel. I want to be a human. Matter of fact, I am a redeemed human. We'll see how important that is in a minute. Oh my gosh. A bird is not more important than a human. I love birds. I love watching them. I love seeing them. I see the beauty of them. I was telling a friend last night that one time in my life I got to see a yellow-winged blackbird. Uh, There's lots of red-winged blackbirds. There's very few yellow-winged blackbirds. They're really rare. Once in my life, up in Iowa, of course, it's God's country. He says, it goes just like this, Israel, Iowa. 
Oh, wait, there's all those mosquitoes. Oh, wait, it's freezing temperatures. Um, but here's this. Is a, is a yellow-winged blackbird that's somewhat rare beautiful? Yes. But not more beautiful than a little baby girl that's born. We are the highest of what God has done with creation. You are not a number. You are more important than the so-called planet. No, it's not a planet. Yes, it is. Pluto. We're deciding so many things, aren't we? Well, here's what I know. What is the image of God in man? Well, it's this. We don't look probably exactly like God, though he is represented as a man on a throne. If you read the book of Revelation. But when you look at him long enough, he looks like a lamb. You look at him long enough again and he looks like a lion. But he is a man. How then, if we are created in the image of God, in what way do we look like God? In this four ways, and you can find others, but for me, these were the four most important. And this helped satisfy the longing of my heart to know my true identity. So the first is this. We are relational beings, just like God is. God created us because he loved us. I'm a relational being. It's not just enough to love. I want to be loved. I want there to be reciprocation in it. That is what God wanted. He didn't need it. He wanted it. I could have lived my whole life without being with Brenda. Not very well, mind you. But I could have lived my whole life. But I didn't want to. I wanted to be loved. I wanted someone else that cared for me just for me. Do you remember that search? Second, we are rational beings. Some are more rational than others, I agree. Some can at times be very irrational, but that goes down to the fourth thing. But we are rational beings like God who thinks... God has thought. And that thought goes into expression, which is Him. That's why uh, John, bless his heart, reaching in to all of his understanding. Uh, they portray this so well uh, in The Chosen. In the beginning was the Word. God expressed thought and it was creative. He sings it into being. We sang the song, A Billion Galaxies. What did that sound like? I think it's still reverberating. Be. And it was. Let there be light. And it was. It's the expression, but it came from who he was. It's the thinking. You have thoughts. You can be in the image of God in that you can... We're like, we're like an old Xerox machine. We create a facsimile. Uh, 
Art is so wonderful because it's, it's the beauty of God expressed in creation and nature. I mean, uh, go through a walk through a flower garden right now. Check out the peonies or what, I don't know. Some people think I'm pronouncing that wrong. There's some pink ones out here brought in by Jacob. Where are they? Oh, there they are. Who could think up that? God. And God thought pink peonies. Or God thought an orange-eyed owl. Which they found the first one in 125 years. Just recently, it was in the news yesterday. (sighs) Stunning, isn't it? Well, we think. We're stunning because we can think. Can we think like God? Yes. He invites us into having the mind of Christ. I I can think God thoughts. Any good you will ever do will come from God thought. You and I can think. We're volitional beings just like God. God has a will. It's described in the new covenant. We have a will. What does that mean? God created me in such a way that I, he gave me the freedom of choice. That's incredible. Dangerous. Why did he do that? Again, I don't know. He's God. Somehow it's tied up into those first two things about thinking and, and being rational. It's also tied up into into the idea of relationship and what we choose. God chose to have relationship by creating us and then he gave us free choice. He didn't want, the only way you can describe it is he he didn't want artificial intelligence. He wanted something that would choose this. He, He... Even when the law is described in Deuteronomy, and he lays out all of it before him, and the dictates of where blessings and cursings came from, then what is his statement? Behold, I set before you today life and death. Choose life. We choose. Oh, it's stunning when you think of all the choices you make all day long and most of us don't think about it. We are emotional beings. I react, sometimes not nicely, and I respond. Within that, within the idea of being an emotional being, I can learn, not just through thinking, but through how I react and respond in my choices, I can learn wisdom, the book of Proverbs tells me. I can start listening to things. And I can choose to respond as opposed to react. Most of the grumpy 45-year-olds never learned that. They just kept reacting to life. They didn't learn to respond with who they were created in the image of God. One of the greatest things you'll ever learn in finding your true identity is how to respond and not react. It's easy to react. 
Man, it's so easy. Now, how is that tied with our personality? Well, some personalities react better than others. Again, watch the chosen. I mean, Peter is a, if you know the disc test at all, is a high D off the charts. He is ready, shoot, aim. God gives us life created in his image to learn how to respond to God and life and others through all these things of being, this is how I know I'm, I'm made in the image of God. And then what that does is it, it uh, the drive that is inside of each one of us, male and female, and the motivation for the qualities of being results in actually pushing us forward. Make us happy. Is God concerned with your happiness? Yes! Anybody that serves a God who, who it's all about judgment and all that, you didn't understand your creator. God's delight is that you have joy and meaning. What is the answer to the first question of the Westminster Catechism? What is the chief end of man? you hear that? The chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. What's that called? That is called the Westminster Catechism and it's how they used to train young Christians. And you went through catechism classes. We don't do that anymore, especially in the independent non-denominational churches. So our kids often wonder why they're here. And then we tell them, leave church. And, and so when they turn 18 and leave our homes, they leave our churches too. And then they see no purpose in coming back. I'm glad you're all here. You're supposed to be. You can help me think through this stuff. Because sometimes a child can think better than an adult. Sometimes. Not usually, but sometimes. Sometimes. Those things that are inside of us to find out the purpose or drives or motivation, and there's two major ones. And they're described this way, and this is what social science describes them are. You have a drive for intimacy and impact. That's why you make choices. Beauty and pain play into that. My wife and I were talking this morning, I said... Pain is so we understand our fragility and our mortality. You know, why does pain exist? Well, sin, but, you know, man, I wish my feet wouldn't wear out, but they do. Man, I wish my elbows wouldn't, but they do. But then I have a drive within me that says I love beauty, so I'm going to keep using them. Because I, I love and my wife loves gardens. So I work even though my body hurts. Are you doing it to please Brenda? No, I love the beauty. Now she's part of it. She's beautiful. You're all supposed to say yes, amen. Make her feel good today. But the issue is I, I love the flowers. She knows all the names of the flowers. 
I go red with blue in the center, and she tells me the real name of it, which has great meaning, and I should learn it. But, like a dim bulb, I choose not to, and try to make a joke out of it, which always fails. You can't make a joke out of beauty. Don't let anybody make a joke out of your beauty. Don't let them turn what God created into foolishness and tell you you don't know who you are. Yes, I do. You as a parent know who your child is. If they are created in the image of God and you believe that, tell them so and teach it to them through this. We all want intimacy. We all want impact. I want my life to count, don't you? Uh, I've wanted my life to count from the beginning. That's why I wanted to play basketball or baseball. I I wanted it to, I wanted somebody to notice that I was good at something, didn't you? Some of us wanted to, to notice it so bad, we would be, we wanted to be the best at being bad. You got noticed that way, didn't you? What gets us there? Well, usually on that search, and when you're in your 40s, and you haven't found, we, we call that several, that significance thing, several dis- different things, Destiny. I have heard enough destiny teachings from the church to choke a 20-mule team. (laughs) Does that mean they didn't count? No, they counted. They just had it backwards. They kept telling me I had to find my destiny so I would know my identity. So they promoted destiny teaching. We did this with young people, children and youth, and these destiny teachings, and you're this and you're that, and all anything. You ever forgot to tell them who they were? Each of us has a destiny, but it comes out of our identity. We don't find our identity through our destiny. Our destiny gets worked out through who we are. Are you getting this? He brings a man from Uganda as a boy and brings him forth. And he comes here and you go, what's his purpose on the earth? Well, first, look at his family. God had deep hair. Do you think that he fell? Oh God, I know that you're, and he's a little boy in Uganda and Idi Amin's bearing down on him. He wasn't thinking about being here at New Day. He was probably thinking about, I hope I get out of this one. And he did. Because God was there. And God knew. God didn't. God knew his purpose, but he didn't now speak all his purposes to him. What he spoke to him was his identity. And he did it through saying a statement, follow me. And there was a choice in his volition. And he responded instead of reacting. And here he is, fulfilling a destiny, a purpose. Yeah. But prayer didn't cause it. God caused it. 
All of this comes out in three things. How do we pass this on? How do we speak it to each other? How do I speak it to my children and my grandchildren? Well, there's three questions that drive our search for an identity. But the first question isn't who am I? It's whose am I? Who do I belong to? Who are the Brookie being born 36 years ago? You know what she said when she came out of the womb? (laughs) Who do I belong to? Who will pick me up? Who will feed me? Who will take care of me? It's found in the cry of a newborn infant. In that that cry doesn't leave. And when that question gets answered, and it can and must be answered biblically, and it goes two years old, four years old, six years old, eight years old, who do I belong to? It's why it's so important for parents to understand this and give basic understanding under their child who they are so they don't lose their identity and for God's sake don't let the world steal it because they will give them numerous false identities and for their sake do not let the world identify them you as parents and grandparents identify your children because you pass it on and that Half of the Old Testament is so that they would, written down so that they would pass it on to their children. If you look at the story of Moses and Aaron, that was the whole issue. I believe that Moses, I don't know this, this is my own thoughts, so you can argue it. I believe Moses wrote down the first five books for one reason only, so it would be passed down unto the children. Every child born has that question imprinted in it. Every little baby um, takes on greater significance as we grow older. The quest, concepts of good and evil. And if there is a God, is he good? Am I his child? They're questions you'll be asked by your children. The word of God answers us. He answers that cry. You can't just say to them, because I said so. That's empty tradition. You have to know the word of God. You have to be able to take them back to Genesis. And you have to get them to understand and see something, which is that's where I, why I started with, with Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, we get to see something. Verse 7 It says this. I didn't know if it was up there or not. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That's basically what Adam means, is red dirt, clay. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Where does life come from? God, the breath of God. It's always come from that. God created them. Just like God spoke a million billion stars into being, he breathed your life into being. That's that science that they can't identify. 
He created them. They belong to God because they are His creation. They were not self-existent. They weren't a mistake. They did not happen by chance. God created. Every child that is born has been created by God, not by circumstances. We may think in the futility of our thoughts that we want to have a family, but it is God who allows it and makes it to happen. Isn't that stunning? It's supposed to stun us. You're supposed to get, you're supposed to get this question from your children. Why? My second grandson is in that stage right now. Everything is, why? You got to go put the bikes up. Why? You can't go in the flower beds. Why? You can't sit in the pond. Why? (laughs) The answer to that is because you belong to God. Because the word tells us You can take them to Psalm 139. I want to close with this so you hear it. By the way, there's there's two rights here in answering the security question. I'm just talking about the first one right now. It's the right of creation. Isn't this wonderful? Not because I'm teaching it. This is like in the Word of God. I exist. I belong to God because He created me. Just like Van Gogh painted Starry Night. God created me. Who does that painting belong to now? It doesn't matter. Van Gogh signed it, and it's priceless. Me on the earth, signed by God. Lloyd, his beloved, his favorite child in all the universe. He gave me to you and signed it, Love Jesus. This is, oh man, you don't even have to, you don't have to be young or old to understand this. This is stunning. This is the stuff that we're we're not passing on anymore. We've got to remind ourselves so we can remind others. They can't take this away from me. Through a relative argument, depends on where you were born, depends on where you grew up. No, it does not. No, it does not. I am here because God ordained it, because He created me. The psalmist says in 139, You formed my inward parts, you covered me. In my mother's womb, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you have so much shame you can't even say that, let alone sing it. Because you got your identity all mixed up. And we think it's human pride to say I'm glorious. It's not. It's God's edict. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am His handiwork. He made my eyes to be blue. I would have liked a little more uh, body in my hair, but He gave me straight hair. Pin straight. 
that every hair cutter that I've ever known couldn't get it right. Did you have to leave that little chop right there? Oh, yeah, you got to remain humble. He makes one black. He makes another white. Is there any difference between us? No. We are formed and made in the image of God. But we use relative arguments to talk about that instead of the word of God in truth that you and I are created in His image. Male and female, He created them. All people. Thank you. And that my soul knows very well. If our kids don't know this in their soul very well, they're going to struggle with their identity. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I had a student one time who brought in and did a message on this. He brought in a a jar, a mason court jar of sand from a white sunny beach. It was filled with sand. It is estimated that there is someplace between two and four million grains of that little white fine sand in one of those jars. Now think, all the sand on the earth, this is God thinking about you, his creation. How many thoughts he has about you are more than all the sand on all the beaches on the entire earth. God doesn't answer me. What? That's the most immature reaction possible. What you say to him, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and I am stumbling through this time and I don't get it, I don't understand it. Would you let me know your thoughts about me? Ah. That's the prayer, whoever said that. That's, ah. Ah. I'm his creation. He hasn't lost sight of me. He knows where I am. He knows who I am. He created me. He hasn't lost. He said he doesn't turn. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. doesn't turn his back on you. Get that in our children and security starts to form. I know whose I am. Paul said it this way in Philippians. I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. It says against that day. It means their day of return. Oh, get that in a child and the world can't have them. They belong to God. The second one we'll look at next week. So we're created in the image of God. I belong to God. I am like God. I was created in his image and I belong to him by that right. But then he does a second right because I was sold as that person into slavery. And he came and redeemed me back. 
And the right of redemption is even more powerful than the right of creation. Because then God uses all those things that we were made in His image of, and He lays before this and says, though you made a billion different mistakes, I will buy you back. You're worth everything to me. We've had the gospel backwards. We say he's the pearl of great price. That's false. You're the pearl of great price. That he sold everything to purchase. You're the treasure hidden in the field that he came to find. You. And that right of redemption is seals for all of eternity. That's what's glorious about it. Is every human being on the earth made in the image of God? Yes, but most won't return because they have not received the right of redemption. That one has to be received because it was given away. So we are redeemed. We are purchased back. When that's sealed, then I have two unchangeable things in my life. I am God's because He created me and I am God's because He redeemed me. And now he has put a new name over me. Where once he said, beautiful Lloyd. Now he says, beautiful Lloyd Jesus. And he stamps the image of his son over who I am. I'm made. Oh, you talk about fearfully made. If I could see you as you are, by the Spirit. We get this into our being. Listen, I don't want anybody, if you're getting close to that, I don't want you to be a 45-year-old grumpy person. I want you to sing the song of the redeemed. I know whose I am. I belong to God. Nobody. That way when they try and take it from you, guess what? They can't take it. They can throw me in a pit They can take everything away. They can ruin this body, but they cannot take away my creation nor my salvation. It is sealed for all eternity. He's my beginning and He's my end. We must speak this to each other and we must speak it to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. If they know this, it doesn't matter what lie... They live by. We are in the truth. We are in Jesus. He's the true truth. I belong to Him. Go back and read Genesis again. Ask ask God to show me a fresh view, but don't say of the world or of you. Show me a fresh view of me. Let me see me the way you see me. Because we'll look at some of the things that try and steal this away in the next couple of questions that we answer. I want to pray for us. Oh, my Father, your voice came in Jesus and rescued me. You sent your word and set me free. You brought your being into my being. You've captured me. I'm yours. I don't want to belong to another. I will not give myself away. I will not sell it. I will not throw it away. I belong to you. I'm here. 
because I'm yours and yours mine. You are the number of my days. The book of my life is written before you and you know the beginning and the end. What shall I fear? You are with me. I receive the understanding of this again this morning. I ask that it would drive away 10,000 lesser lies. And that I would walk secure knowing who I belong to. This week, next week, the week after. And I will live my life in God. And I will walk after the Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Give somebody a hug.